Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, the road trip continues for the Avalanche to, I wouldn't even say mixed reviews, it's just been mostly bad for the most part, but their losing skit is finally over as they beat the Washington Capitals 6-3, to but in a win they needed after getting shut out 4 to nothing by the Florida Panthers. And just to start off on the Caps game, for me personally, perfect result. No notes. You got the the abs winning in regulation, the caps losing in regulation, getting them one step closer to selling. Ovi scores a goal. McKinnon had two points in this game, so his pointless drought is over. I mean, I I had absolutely nothing to complain about. That was my first thought when this game ended. I was like, this game could not have gone better for for Griffin because it was a relatively close game. Abs end up pulling away late. Ovechkin extends his goal streak to six. Now all of a sudden he's up to what twelve or thirteen goals. Thirteen. He is. He's hot. And I don't know. Before we go too much farther, did you find it? Uh, oh, you didn't get to watch the altitude broadcast. I forgot you had to watch Monumental. Is it Monumental? It is now. Okay. Uh, they went on. Uh, they showed Ovechkin did like the the tribute to him because he's still playing, which was weird. But uh, Mosher was like, I don't think he's going to get to that goal record. Like he may retire before he gets there. And I'm like, okay. Well, I'm more in tune with Cap fans because. I do a podcast with one. Ovechkin's not retiring until that record's broken. He would have to genuinely be scoring like five to 10 goals a year for him to be retiring. Like, cause right now he's 59 away from the record. And if he stays hot towards the end of the season, if he's like 15 goals back, like say by the end of the 26 season, He's not going to retire. Like yeah. he, he's just going to play until he beats yeah. that record. Like right. there's no, there's no way he comes that close. And it was so just funny. like ah, I just don't have it anymore. Alex Ovechkin will back his way into 15 goals. Yeah, goal. it made me laugh because I was like, I, I'm sure if I wasn't friends with you, that I would probably have those same thoughts. Like maybe he will retire. No, he's he, he's he's a weirdo. He's going to get that record. It's it's one of the most unbreakable records in sports. And if he owns it. It'd be crazy. And then they went on a whole different thing about what if Ovechkin wants to get traded. I'm like, again, he's just not going anywhere. <laughs> like, I know we're just trying to get some good TV, but you should have just talked to Caps fans because they would have just told you you're being crazy. Like none like, of those things are going to happen. The, it's the kind of thing where the fans would not accept that. I don't think Ted Leonsis, the owner right. of the Capitals, would ever accept anything like that. It's the only thing putting people in the building right, right. now. I mean, we all just watched that game. Yeah, it was a little closer than it was last time we played the Caps, but that team's not great. Like, it's not a very exciting team to watch right now. And outside of Ophi, there are very few things to be looking forward to. Very few. But I just thought that was funny because I was like, I wish you could have been able to watch the broadcast because you would have just chuckled because it just made me laugh. But, hey, you guys got $25 in cap space this offseason, so maybe they'll get him some better players. But – to get back to the Avs before we go full Caps uh, podcast here, this road trip has been hell, and they have not played well. Uh, they beat a team they should have beaten tonight in the Capitals. I, I feel maybe this is just like getting the monkey off their back, and they're back in their winning ways, but overall, this road trip has been one of the worst stretches of hockey we've seen this Avs team play all year. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a reason I said that in the start of this road trip that going into Washington is essentially going to be a free win for this team. It wasn't free. They had to earn it. They had to play hard. But there's no reason in hell that the cap that the Avs should ever be losing to this Capitals team. Not even just because the Caps suck, because stylistically the Avs do so many things that the Caps cannot even begin to match. And two of the goals in this game were direct results of of Avs' mistakes and miscues. And the OV goal in this game was off of a, a penalty that just didn't happen, like that just never happened at all. So all three of those goals were well avoidable. And when the going got tough, the Avs, they... Caps couldn't do anything to them. Like they, just, they completely overmatched them. That's why I was not worried at all about this game. But the rest of the road trip, like you said, it's it's been awful. Like the worst hockey this team has played all season. I'd I'd say worse than the beginning of the season where they were oh, getting exactly. blown out and and put in shutouts. Like yeah, that stuff looked bad on paper, but you at least had the excuse of it's early in the year and everything's working stuff out. I mean, the the excuse of it's after the All-Star break really doesn't cut it because that was a week. And it didn't cut it after the New Jersey game. Right, where a lot of other teams in the league are really not having that problem right now. It just kind of almost seems exclusive to the Avs and maybe a couple other teams, but that that excuse after those performances was not going to cut it. And they follow up the Carolina game where we were very upset by their performance and the lack of attention to detail with just getting stomped by the Florida Panthers, like just one of the worst performances of the season. One where I honestly just felt bad for Georgiev because I didn't think he was that bad. In that no, game. he got hung out to dry in that game. I didn't think that score could have been a lot worse than it actually was. It probably should have been a lot yeah. worse than four to nothing. That four the to Panthers nothing. took the third period like it was a, a beer league game. I don't think they really and they still minute. ran them into the yeah. ground. Like the yeah. Panthers did not take that period seriously, and they were still curb stomping them. The second period is some of the most lopsided hockey. I saw all season. They finished the second period with overall 27 shots on goal. And somehow only one of them went into the net by some miracle. And in the the fourth period, there's the fourth period. What the hell? I still got football brain right now. In the third period, the Bednar tries to put the lines in a blender and mix everything up. And it just, it didn't do anything <laughs> it just didn't do anything gerard has a turnover and barkov just puts it into an open net there's nothing georgiev can do mckinnon leaves the game because he hit his face on the ice and there's that anxiety surrounding it but it was just a disaster and what should have been a get right game not not a get right game but like a, a response game. a response game and it wasn't it was the farthest thing from it. Like you watch that game. And even though those teams were tied in points going into that game, the Panthers looked like the more complete team and the more serious cup contender than the abs. Like the abs look like maybe they'll win around if things continue the way they're going. But I think that game really just assured me. I think the Panthers are the best team in the East. I don't really think it's a question. Uh, that team is fucking awesome. And Sam Reinhardt scoring goals, Barkoff, he hadn't scored in like 12 games. And that team is still, very good. Uh, Matthew Kachuk's getting hot. Sam Bennett's back. Carter Verhage. That, that team's loaded. And what we thought was fears going into that year for them was their defense core. And the defense core looks, it's patched work, but it looks solid. And Bobrovsky's been 
nine ten, and yeah. that's all that team needs. In the so, NHL this season, a nine ten might is like a nine thirty in other years. A nine and a nine ten from Bobrovsky, by the way, thirty four saves in this game for the shutout. I mean, it's not that the Abs didn't shoot the puck; they put thirty four on him. None of them, a couple of them, they were a little dangerous, but Bobrovsky, he did his job in this game, and the Panthers, they just had them completely outmatched i mean i just don't think the panthers are a great matchup for this team like i think the panthers and the capitals are on opposite ends of the spectrum for how they match up against this abs team and like you said i i'm picking them to come out of the east i completely agree with that it's a it's a really really good team it helps that sam reinhardt is a 40 goal scorer now out of nowhere 60 going to get 60 that dude's gonna get paid oh my god it's that game just we talked about on the podcast the night before the game where both of us thought this game could get ugly and it was even worse than we thought. Yeah. Like I expected some kind of fight back in this game, but for it to just be sloppy and a mess and it was sloppy and a mess and there was no pushback. Like they, they just got run into the dirt. I thought the first period was a little competitive. The they first were, 10 minutes of the first yeah, period were competitive. Like they, they were skating. The Panthers still put two by them just off of bad plays, but they led in shots 14 to 11 after the first. And then after that, I mean, they just speed blitzed them the rest of the game. Like It was embarrassing to watch, honestly, to see them just get absolutely run out of there like this. I mean, you cannot overstate how bad that second period was. And miraculously, it was only three nothing. <laughs> like it was, you felt like even as bad as that second period was, if the abs could just find one and make it a two one game, maybe they'll get some life. None whatsoever. I feel like they did. They have a couple power plays in the second period, or was that yeah. all in the first period? For the first time all year, I watched that game, and it was like you said in that second period. I was just like, this game's over. Like I can just casually watch this. The abs are not going to win this game. They're not even gonna make this game competitive. Yeah, I appreciate it being 6 p.m. Eastern time here, like plenty of time left to to salvage that yeah. Saturday. It it was just really bad. And the point of contention in this game, it felt like we reached a boiling point with Ryan Johansson. Oh. Bro, I know we've been tiptoeing around the subject because we've been we've talked about it in depth every episode this year. If we would have done the podcast after that game on Saturday, I think we would have just had an hour just bitching about Ryan Johansson. Yeah. That was one of the worst performances I have ever seen an NHL player play. That was so bad. And it's just, his style doesn't fit with the abs. I don't think he is a bad player. Like he's definitely not the top six forward anymore. I don't think he's out of the league bad, but you put him on the abs and he is just, he doesn't fit, man. And it was not more, it was so evident in this game that it's just, he's got nothing for this team. He's got nothing. It's it's like I've said multiple times, I just do not see a path forward here, especially after that performance where it's the third period. Like the game's not, oh, it's over, but it's not over. He's bumped down to the fourth line against the Caps. He plays less than 10 minutes in the game. Just, he does not do anything. That gets said about a lot of players and most of the time it's not true. He doesn't do anything. He provides nothing to this team. And I I cannot even fathom a world where he is still on this team post-trade deadline. It's it's just... The one it thing he's supposed to be good at, face-offs, he was 
in this game against Florida. That was the one thing we could be like, okay, even as bad as he can play sometimes, he's going to win you faceoffs. He's not winning faceoffs anymore. Right. It's that's you're here for two things, really. You are here to win faceoffs and to to bang in pucks on the power play. And once we got past the first 10 games of the season, that did not happen anymore. He's sitting at 18 points on the season. Five of those came in the first six games of the year, I believe. And just since then, it's been nothing. He produces nothing at five five on five and has no speed doesn't provide anything defensively, does not provide in any sort of special teams role. Just you look at the path ahead here for $4 million and this team still believing that it can win. There is not a way you win with this guy on your roster right now. There is no conceivable fit. I mean, you, you do have to give credit to management because they've hit on a lot of guys over the last couple of years. They've identified guys like Lekkinen and Miles Wood and Ross Colton and Josh Manson, all these guys that they have added to this team and made them better and won a Stanley Cup because of it. That's why I defaulted to them when they got Ryan Johansson. It's for free, half retained, you're not giving up anything. Surely they've seen something here that suggests he's going to work here. They missed badly. Well, it just shows how spoiled we are with how good the management's been in this run because they don't miss usually they don't and did they jump the gun a little bit on Tatar yeah probably but in hindsight you look at it if they could have dumped Johansson to the Kraken that would have been a lot better and you kept Tatar because Tatar's gone into Seattle and been kind of the Tatar we expected him to be here he's been fine I mean but the main problem with Johansson is it's not just ah it's not working you can dump him to another team because he's got another year got that, a year man I'm telling that, you he he'd be a perfect fit for the Washington Capitals yeah he I I'd want him to be a cap because he would make our draft position that much better right I think he'd be he, a great addition to them down the stretch it would just be I don't know man like I I don't want to dump on the guy I still think he can play in the NHL he just can't play with the elite teams. He just he's can't. he's the kind of guy who should be making no more than a million and a half playing a bottom six role. And I even then I'd need to see it first. Because yeah. just from what I've seen from him in this role, there's been nothing. He's been put in bottom six positions. Like the, the money doesn't matter when you're playing in games. He does not even look like he belongs in a bottom six role on this team. They've tried him at fourth line center and you're still getting nothing. Yeah. It's been tough, man. And we're not going to like, I, I don't want to dump on the guy because he seems like a great guy, but he, the abs are not winning. If he's on the team, they just aren't, they aren't, they've won in spite of Ryan Johansson this year, not because of Ryan Johansson. They've won in spite of him. So I, I just think there's no if, ands or buts. You have to get rid of him at, at the deadline. You have to, and you can tell we're not alone in this thinking because look at what Jared Bednar's playing and, like he's Bednar's done with him too. We saw the writing on the wall with Tatar with the way he was playing. Once you get in Bednar's doghouse, it's very hard to get out of it. Duran worked his way out of it. But once you get in there and you're being thought of as playing almost the same amount of time as Curtis McDermott, that's bad. Yeah. Like it's one thing if you just, you're not a fit, but you're just working hard and working your ass off. And it's just, it doesn't look like that's the case with Ryan Johansson where like when he does fight for a puck on the boards, like there's, there's just no extra snarl. 
to his game where he's he's not trying to earn every single inch of ice because not everyone on this abs team is just skating at 25 miles an hour like there are guys that have to go on the boards and dig out pucks and there's a reason why on other teams they're not filled with the fastest skaters but they still have success because they have those guys that can keep plays penned in the offensive zone and break it up in the defensive zone and ryan johansson doesn't do that he does not bring anything to the table like i've said at at nauseum to at this point where you need to be able to either keep up or slow the game down once it's in one of the zones he's not good at either of those things and he can't he's one of the things that this team has been sorely missing this year is net front presence that is where ryan johansson should be making his money this year but he doesn't go there he does not camp out in front of the net. He does not make life difficult for the goalies because without Landis Gog and without Nachushkin for the last little while and being without Lekkinen for a good portion of the season, that would have been greatly appreciated. But it's just not there for whatever reason. I feel like the Avs gave him a chance because they had Lekkinen on his line for after the All-Star break and there was still just nothing. Like I think that was the about- last straw. He was bringing down Lekkonen's play. And you see Lekkonen plays tonight with Wood and Colton four fucking points. Like, Lekkonen is not the problem. He just needs someone who can get him the puck. And I just, I feel bad because it's a tough situation to be in as a player. And I'm sure no one feels like more of an outcast in the locker room than Ryan Johansson. He's just not a fit on this team. And McFarland and crew have done a great job bringing in players. This one they missed on. Yeah. It's one but, of the few swings and misses they've had. And the th- the thing is, like, you got to find a way out of it. It's like, okay, you, you can't rewind time. You can't take it back. You got it wrong. You got to get yourself out of this, whether that costs you a third or, or more. Honestly, if you've got to attach him as an anchor in another trade and give up more, you got to do it. You, you can't mess around with this and take it into the playoffs and it doesn't work and then talk about a buyout for next season where it'd probably be like a million and a half for the, for that year and next. Like you got to be willing to bite a bullet and maybe give up a, a decent asset that you'd be inclined to hold on to. But yep. it's what you have to do in a situation like this. The best thing to do is not do it at all, but you did and you're here and you got to figure out a way to just go do it. They've tried everything. They have put him with every conceivable combination of player. They have played him in several different roles and minute combinations, and none of them have worked. There is not a path forward here. There just isn't. Not a path forward. So that was my big takeaway from that game where it was all just a shit ton of stinkers as Ryan Johansson stuck out like a sore thumb. And pretty much everyone on the team stuck out like a sore thumb for how bad they were. Uh, you had McKinnon get hurt. He was fine, but that was always scary. like it is. You do forget they're playing on ice and ice is very hard. And to think just going full speed and your chin, just hitting the ice that can't feel good. No, he <laughs> it, just missed the rest of the game was back and he was totally fine. But that was the first time in a long time that Nathan McKinnon had gone three straight games without a point. And that seems absurd to say, but then you just realize how good Nathan McKinnon is. And yeah, that's that, that stat kind of blew my mind. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest with me. Has this stretch of hockey changed your thought about the MVP at all for no. Nathan McKinnon? No, not at all. I And the team hasn't been good coming out of the All-Star break. And he picked up two points in this game against the Capitals. I mean, 
guys go on droughts sometimes. I mean, he had the only goal against the Rangers and against the Devils and the Hurricanes. They matched him to hell. They just locked in on him on his hip and just couldn't get a bounce his way even still in those games. I mean, it's rare for McKinnon to go on a stretch like that, but we're talking three games. Like for some guys, like they score every three games. Like that's just their average. It's it's almost a testament to how good McKinnon is that he goes three games and it's a storyline that he yeah. has scored a point in three games. But no, hasn't changed my my opinion on it at all. And we're gonna get a pretty good indication uh, coming up on Thursday when they take on the Lightning in Tampa. That game's gonna kick ass. I I don't know actually. I feel like it could be a that game's either gonna be super fun. Or it's just going to be a beat down by one of the teams. I mean, the story the storylines are going to be there. I mean, it's yeah. it's a, it's the Cup final rematch of two years ago, and McKinnon and Kucherov going head to head for the second and final time this season. I mean, the the stakes are going to be there, and they got the monkey off their back by beating the Caps. I mean, who knows? They're, they're on they're on the board, and it's going to be up to them how they respond in that game. Yep, going to be up to them. But overall, that Florida game. I was glad when it hit triple zeros once I recorded my post game video and I could just delete that game from my brain because that game stunk. Yeah, it, it was a, a horrible game. I, I'm glad this wasn't the only game we talked about. I mean, we've, we deliberately pushed this one back an extra day so we could record after the caps game, just because like there just wasn't enough to talk about in that game. It wasn't just what we already said against Carolina and there was no, there was nothing new from that game other than what we've already said. Where I felt bad for Georgiev. I mean, obviously Bobrovsky had the better of him in the first period. After that, I thought he was honestly pretty great. Yeah, but the I mean team, that goal, one the Barkov one, he was a little over eager on it, but still, I mean, that's a one-on-one breakaway against one of the best players in the world, like off a terrible turnover that should have never happened. And like you, you have to put in the human factor if he's not expecting Gerard to lose his right. mind on that play and he's desperately trying to to get himself back in a position. And the thing is, like, we're always like, can Georgiev hit 900? Gave up four in this game and was still 900. It shows you how bad the <laughs> that he gave up four and he still had a 900 save percentage. So, yeah, I, I don't really think there's any other big takeaways from that game other than I'm glad this game tonight happened and we can talk about something a little bit more positive. Yeah, hey, this this was just an ugly game, no matter how you slice it. And even just continuing on Georgiev, he doesn't finish above 900 against Washington, but I still didn't think he was bad in this game. I mean, I already mentioned it off the top. The three goals that Washington scored, the first two was uh, McKinnon just had a miscue with McCarr and let Malenstein get loose for an open rebound. Some juicy rebound given up by Georgiev, but it's a defensive miscue that ultimately leads to the goal. And then the goal from scored the second goal, Connor McMichael, who it was a terrible turnover by Josh Manson and a mad scramble in the crease is not a ton he can do on that. And then the other one is a made up penalty and he's going one on one with Alex Ovechkin, who honestly flubbed the shot. And because it was a change up, went in the net. Right. Like that's just what happens sometimes when you go up against Opie, you lose. More time than not. He's scored 10 goals on Georgiev in 10 games. Like, just for some reason, he has his number. Uh, he has his number against a lot of goalies. So. Yeah. <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. I I like the way Georgiev played in this game. It just sucks that his stats take a hit. But I actually think he made a couple big saves. Uh, one on Jonathan Drouin, which was very funny. And he did get a little bit of puck luck in this game. But it felt like he was due some puck luck. Like, he's had no puck luck 
since November. So for him to get some puck luck, I felt like was good for him. I like the way he played. Uh, but to me, the biggest difference in this game is the secondary scoring showed up. Like Logan O'Connor was out for this game, which is a bummer. Like Logan O'Connor's been great, but it gave us the line I think I've been wanting to see the most, and that was Ross Colton, Miles Wood, and Arturi Lekkinen. Which and is a damn good line. It's a damn good line. And Logan O'Connor's been great, but Arturi Lekkinen's better than Logan O'Connor. Right. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of for Logan O'Connor. But that line of Colton Wood and Lekkinen was the best line on the ice tonight. Right. It's like when it comes to Lekkinen, he's Landeskog light and O'Connor is Lekkinen light. Like they're just, they're all different versions and bring different things to the table. But Arturi Lekkinen's Arturi Lekkinen. This was easily his, the best game of his pretty short season so far. He had four points. He has that beautiful between the legs pass to Miko Rantanen to give them the 4 2 lead on the power play. I mean, you could tell. They missed this guy. They missed him badly with him out of the lineup. And you can see the difference that he makes when he's back. I mean, his job description is just making life just a little bit easier for everyone, especially when he's with McKinnon and Ranton. And he's just just makes life just a little bit easier. It makes it a little easier to get those pucks out in the defensive zone, digs those pucks out in the offensive zone. And on his goal, is it a little lucky? Yeah, but he's in the right place at the right time because that's what Arturi Lekkinen does. He just always somehow finds himself in the right place on the right time. That puts you in the position to score lucky goals. I mean, just we got so used to being without him that having him back and now having him back up to speed now that he's back from the all-star break and injuries and up to tempo with everyone else, you can see the difference that he makes and just all the little things that he does so well. It's a shame that both him and Val can't be back in the lineup at the same time because that adds such a different dimension to this team. It adds a different dimension. What you said earlier about this being his best game since he's been back, uh, he was all over the place tonight, and he seems to finally be getting up back to speed. Again, I think we're going to look back on this year and see like he only had like 20 if he gets to 35 points, we'll be like, oh, he kind of he missed 35 games. Like this is a 50 point player sniffing around 20 goals every year. He just adds such a different dimension. And that line with Wood and Colton, that whole line is just a bunch of dogs. Like D A W G S S S dogs. They will win puck battles. They can kill you with their speed. And Ross Colton gets a goal in this game. Miles Wood gets a goal. Arturi Lekkinen gets two. That was the difference in this game because McKinnon and Rantanen were good, but they needed the secondary scoring to show up, and it showed up big time in this game. When you have secondary scoring show up, it opens the door for McKinnon and Rantanen to have a little less focus placed on them and makes their lives a little bit easier. And with Arturi Lekkinen, it's like I said last episode, it really doesn't matter where he is in the lineup. He's just going to go and do his thing. Like Even when he's attached to the boat anchor that is Ryan Johansson, would you say any of his games were poor or that he's not trying? Like he's still... Well, he just wasn't as noticeable because he wasn't playing as much. <laughs> right. Like he's just... He, but he's still going out there and he's working his ass off. I think ultimately the final version of this team is Arturi Lekkinen up on the top line with McKinnon and Ranton just because he does everything that makes their jobs easier, like I've been saying. But also you replace O'Connor with him on this line, and it still works just fine. I mean, for as mad as everyone is for getting Ryan Johansson and how they whiffed on that one, 
just look at this line where you've got Miles Wood and Ross Colton and Arturi Lekin and all guys that they identified and locked up to long-term deals to help this team in the future. That's pretty good moves from management as well. Not to be an apologist, but you look at it all, they're making, they're all on pretty solid contracts. Lekin in again, four and a half for three more years. <laughs> After this, I love, I, that, contract. I, that, love is, that contract until this podcast ends. It could be 15 years from now. And you back, remember when they signed our Terry Lekin to five years, 4.5? Because the thing is, we, that was after we won and we <laughs> signed him to that deal. I would have been happy with two years on that deal. The fact that he signed that for five is ridiculous. I mean, Lekin is just, can you tell I like him? Can you tell he's one of my, my favorite players on this team? <laughs> I, I promise if we're doing this podcast 15 years from now, you'll still be talking about that shit. Oh, uh, dude. But like in a couple, like in 10 years from now, when, you know, the, the window runs its course and everything, I'm just going to be on this show talking like, dude, they Arturi need Lekin someone Lekin. like Arturi Lekkinen on <laughs> Not Nathan McKinnon, right not Miko Ranson, Arturi fucking Lekkinen. So just, uh, yeah, that's the kind of guy you need to, to help push you over. Yeah, the we'll be the grumpy old man saying that. Yeah. But... We're talking 10 years from now. I'm going to be, 33 you know grumpy old man me but dude i'll be almost 40 fuck that's crazy <laughs> that's ridiculous to think about uh the thing i want to close with arturi lekinen before we move on is i don't know why altitude keeps doing this just stop interviewing arturi lekinen man he gave <laughs> like he he hates interviews and he speaks english pretty well for a fin like his english is pretty solid but there is not one human being who hates being interviewed more than Arturi Lekkinen. And I felt bad for Kyle Keefe because all Arturi Lekkinen was saying was, yeah, got pucks in deep, made a play. Like He is just the most monotone person, and I feel so bad to for whoever has to interview him because he just doesn't want to be there. He would rather just go play hockey and forget about life after that. Like, don't ask him to do any interviews. Oh, like, can you can he, you imagine how horrified he was during the the Rantanen saga with his dad? The fact that his name was even attached, oh, and that that people, was his nightmare scenario. Oh, that that people were talking about him and acknowledging him. He, he must have been in hell. He must be. It's just so funny that his dad's a pundit, and he's Arturi Lekin and hates the media more than anything ever. And I just I. If you can go find the interview on Altitude, you'll laugh your ass off because there's not one human being who hates being interviewed more than Arturi Lekin. Because Nathan McKinnon hates being interviewed, but Nathan McKinnon will give you those one-liners every once in a while. In every Arturi Lekin interview I've ever seen, I don't think I've seen him smile. No, he is miserable <laughs> every single time he has a microphone and a camera in front of him. To the point, it's to the point where it's endearing. Where it's yeah. just like you know when Arturi Lekin is on your screen, you know you're just going to get absolutely nothing and nothing. you're gonna love it because like every, everyone hates it but i love that lekkanen embraces that he hates it and does not care does not care i felt so bad for Kyle Keith doing that but arturi lekkanen i think it's safe to say he's back uh it sounds like logan o'connor that injury we kind of jumped over it it sounds like it was just a, a minor thing just maintenance more than anything i, I hope i hope so because you you yeah. look at the bottom six it's rough it's, it's um, not pretty i love my king curtis but uh, it was kind of nice not having him in the lineup for a while. Uh, it makes you realize, like, oh, they can actually play four lines uh, if Curtis McDermott isn't uh, playing. So hopefully it's just something minor. Hopefully he plays against the the Lightning on Thursday. But even then, I I think after the way they played tonight, I I think that line's gonna stick for a little bit with O'Connor or Lekkinen, Wood, and Colton. 
I honestly, I think you do take Lekkonen off it still, just because you have O'Connor on that line and those three work so well together. Yeah, but Lekkonen adds a little bit more scoring punch, I think. Lekkonen does that everywhere. Like if you can not everywhere, if he's playing with Ryan Johansson, he's not going to be able to. They're do not going to put him with Johansson this time. They're, they're going to put him with then. They'll put him. They'll put him with Olafson. They'll get more results out of that still. Now, honestly, Lekkonen, he's not going to have a line next game. He's just going to go out there and play with whoever he's told to play with. They're yeah, probably going to keep the Roaring Twenties line together and mix in Lekkonen every now and again. And they're going to mix him in with McKinnon and Rantanen. They're going to mix him in with Olafson. They'll mix him in with Rijo if they have to. I mean, that's just it's what Lekkonen does. He doesn't need chemistry with everyone. He just goes out there and he makes everyone's life easier. I mean, I think yeah. you're right in terms of like how they're going to release the lineups. I think they're going to have Lekkonen on that line and O'Connor, if he's back probably on the third, but you're not setting up O'Connor for success otherwise. And you don't need to set up Arturi Lekkonen for success. He is success personified. He just plays wherever he needs to. Yeah. Plays wherever he needs to, but love Arturi Lekkonen. Love the way that line played tonight. Miles Wood got an empty net goal. I, I did not anticipate Miles Wood to be this good of a playmaker. That, that play where he sets up Ross Colton for the first goal that was just a brilliant offensive play by Miles Wood. And it sets up Ross Colton, who, what was that? Is that his first goal in like 10 games? I feel like he hasn't scored in a minute. It's, it's definitely his first at even strength in a while. I think since like January. His last goal was Montreal. Well, it was January 15th. So it's been just a little under a month. Yeah. So it was good to see him get scoring again because Ross Colton has been close. He's just missed the net. I remember, was it? It was the Hurricanes game where he had that those two beautiful toe drags and he just missed the net. So maybe that gives him some confidence to get going again. He gets two points, and Miles Wood just continues to be like – I remember when that contract got announced, Devrim was kind of like, ugh, yikes. That's a long time for Miles Wood. I, if he plays like this for the next four years, that contract, I could give two fucks about the last two years. Right, like the kind of thing – like in the last two years of that deal, it's $2.5 million. The cap right. is going up for this year. That is going to be absolutely nothing. Like we're talking, we're worried about the extra year of Ryan Johansson. Miles Wood is the kind of player that he's just going to be a real solid role player for his entire career. And even like, let's say four years from now, like he's just not that good anymore. It's not going to take that much to move him to a team that just needs to hit the cap floor or anything. And also strong character guy good in the room. A lot of the intangibles that teams look for, like I have zero concern about that contract, especially because he works so well on this team. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays out the entire six-year oh, deal. He's, with he's the going to play gone. the entire He's going to play the entire thing, but he kicks ass. And, oh, yeah, I, I was just really impressed with that line tonight. Another player I was impressed with, I thought Bo Byram was awesome in this game. Yeah. I thought he was really good. And he, granted, it's against the Caps, so I'm not going to get my hopes up super high, but Bo Byram was showing flashes of the Bo we saw – early in the year yeah like, he, he looked he better offensively he needed a good one in this game because again the panthers game was not pretty for him it was another game where he looked like he was one of the worst guys on the ice and in this one he seemed a little more open a little more loose just a, a little more bow skating like bow byron like right. we forget how good of a skater bow is and it feels like for the past month and a half he forgets that he's this great skater and he has great puck like movement, and he can do all these things. In this Caps game, I saw flashes of him doing that, and that's encouraging. I'm not going to get my hopes up saying Bo Byron's back because there's still a long way to go, but the flashes were there tonight. 
right? It's just, it's all going to have to be a process to get Bo back to the player that we all know he can be, that we've all seen him be in the past where he plays with that extra edge and he has that skill and that skating talent and that playmaking ability. When everything comes together for Bo Byram, he is the full package defensively. He's almost everything you would want in a defenseman, which is why when we have these trade conversations with him, I I do it half-heartedly because that is there. Well, you do, you do it half-heartedly because you know the second he's not on your team, he's going to break out. Right. He's that also, type of player. He's It also does almost feel like he is almost blocked in a way here because he feels like the kind of player where you just put him on a big roll and play him 20 minutes a game, and that is going to allow his skill set to break out. But when you have Kale McCarr, the best defenseman in the world, and Devon Tays, who's unmovable off that pair – and then Sam Girard, who has come back and been excellent, and Josh Manson, who has come back and been excellent this season, and Byram, who's just struggled. There's not really any room to increase his role when he doesn't deserve it. Right. If he was playing on a team like Chicago, he would be ridiculous because he could play 22 minutes a night, and even if he fucks up, who cares? He's going to get that confidence grow, but right now he's in that spot where if he even fucks up once, his 15 minutes could go down to 12 it's it's not really conducive to the way he plays. I've accepted the fact that if we trade him, Bo Byram is going to become a top defenseman. Yes, I mean, no matter how you do it, Bo Byram is still one of these days going to be a top 15 defenseman in the world. He has all of the skill set to go and do that. And once we can get his mindset back to that point, whatever's blocking him right now, it's a risky endeavor to just be so gung-ho to trade this guy. I mean, it's not without merit because something has to give on this team eventually down the middle and with all the defensemen that they have locked up long-term, something's going to have to give eventually. But don't be so gung-ho about it. He's got There is something special here, and it hasn't shown this season, but there is a reason why two years ago in the Stanley Cup Final, in Game 6, he was trusted with the most five-on-five minutes in that game. That's the that's one of the parts of him that's going to live in the legend of Av's history forever is Byram played the most five on five minutes in that game, more than Kale, more than Taze. And if it's not for injuries, who knows what he could be at this point? But his development's behind the curve because of it. And young players, they go through things like this. And it might just be a matter of just a game like this, where he's a little more free, gets a couple things to go his way, picks up two points, and it might just be like, oh, oh, I can do that. And then it might, we might be talking next game like, oh, Bo's back, and we're fine. Because the thing is, is like even if he jumps up into, I feel like he's been hesitant to jump into the play. I feel like he forgets that he's one of the fastest skaters. He can get back in the play. We've seen Devon Taves, who I would say Bo Byram's faster than Devon Taves. Devontae's will jump into a play and skate back with ease and cover up the play. Like Bo just needs that confidence to go and do that. And I was really encouraged with the way he played tonight. And hopefully it's a building stone to a really good last 30 games because we, we need Bo if we're going to win. And we've come on here before. I think our tone has changed from absolutely not trading Bo to if it's the right trade, you do it. But we, it has to be someone who you can get locked up long term because you can't just trade Bo for a rental. Right. It's, just, it's not it's not a rental type trade. Like back in early in the season when it was thrown out that the price for Lindholm would be Byram in a first, like that doesn't make sense. No. But 
again, I've, I've used the example a ton of times, and it's relevant this time because they just played the Caps. Dylan Strom is the kind of guy that that fits the mold for that trade, where it's a relative, it's like a guy in his prime, 27 years old, and currently plays in a second line role, but most importantly, $5 million for four more seasons after this. That is the kind of thing that this team is looking for. That is the kind of thing where you stick that guy behind Nathan McKinnon and in front of Ross Colton and $5 million for a quality second line center is good stuff. If you can find a way to make that work, you you have the conversation with Bo. But if it was for Lindholm this season or if it's just another stopgap thing for one more year next year, that doesn't make sense. You have to put the proper valuation on Bo Byram because if you get if you get this one wrong and you just give up on Bo and he goes somewhere else and turns into the player that I think he can be, that's a stain on on your career as a manager. Like that's and that's why I think that trade hasn't happened yet. Right. Because you gotta be if you're going to do it, it has to be the play. Like if we got Strom out of that and Byron went to Washington, I'd be okay with that. Because I feel like Byron would have a really good chance to succeed in Washington. He's he's and, right now their best defenseman. Yeah. He would be great and Strom's locked up for four more years. It's a pretty even trade when it comes to the salary cap because what's Bo making? Like four point two? Bo's making three point eight two five, I believe, off the top of my head. Three well, let's just throw Ryan Johansson in there too and then throw me Nick out and we'll call it good. Yeah, it's three three point eight five for Bo. And that's for next season too, because he signs the two year bridge deal. But that's also another thing you have to consider with this is Kale is for three more seasons after this. So is Gerard. Manson's with two, and Taze just got locked up for was it seven years after this seven years. years yeah and do you have the money to give Bo money once this bridge deal is up like it's it's the kind of thing where we're going to talk more about this i don't think he gets dealt the trade deadline i'm oh. going to put a hard stop at that right well, now. unless it's for stroke I, I think oh. that's really the only player that's out there that i'd be because there's name another center that has term and is at five years and you'd be comfortable trading Bo. i, I just don't I, think that exists strom is the mold but also, there's no rush for the Caps to do that this season. Yeah. And there's no rush for the Avs to move Byram this offseason because they don't need to pay him this offseason. They still have another year on the bridge deal. And like I just said, for the Caps, Strom's not even close to expire. They only have to move him this offseason if they feel like they're not doing that. They might not move him at all for the entire contract. He's been the best player on the team all year. They're not going to move Byram for like a Brock Nelson type. But that's the thing. Brock Nelson has one year left at $6 million. Like I would do it for Brock Nelson, the player, but with the Brock Nelson contract, I think that's a much more difficult conversation where if you're giving up Byram, it needs to solve the problem. It can't kick the can down the road. Brock Nelson is second line center on this team would kick ass. But that would be ridiculous, think. dude. And and maybe maybe he's cheaper on his next deal somehow. But yeah. I, doubt, I doubt it. Like that that like that's the thing. We're already having the extension conversation. I'm surprised Lou hasn't signed to do an eight year, eight point five million dollar deal. Well, it's it's uh, July first. He can do that. Okay. All right. That's coming. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the Byram is the not Byram. Strom is the mold for what this team should be looking for in the off season from a second yeah. line center and. They tried. They tried with Ryan Johansson, I think, to to do it around the margins and get it cheap from a team willing to to give up on a guy. And maybe that's what caught their attention with Rijo. But I think you got to learn your lesson from it. 
and be like, you got to give up something here because this is an, an issue that if you can't solve it at the trade deadline this year, you got to figure out something this offseason. Hey, everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The season is heating up for the Avalanche as they're past the All-Star break and getting closer to the playoffs every single day. So if you want to get yourself even more invested as the season reaches the home stretch, head to DraftKings Sportsbook now. And again, that's just 5 bucks, and you can get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Again, new customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Now, Back to the episode. It was just such a weird game. It, that, that game shouldn't have been close. I felt like the Avs dominated for a majority of that game. And it felt almost criminal that we were 4-3 in the third period. It felt yeah. criminal. And let's just rip the Band-Aid off. That call on Josh Manson may have been the worst penalty of the year. I mean, I, I, I cannot believe that was called a penalty. The thing about it is it's not even a debate. There was no elbow. It did the elbow did not even make contact with Tom Wilson. So if you didn't see the play, Josh Manson angles Tom Wilson into the boards. It smushes his face where Tom Wilson is is fresh off of a broken nose. That, that handsome face can't be broken. So right. I get I think this is like one of his first couple of games outside of the the cage. And right. you know, you broke your nose, it's still pretty raw after that. He gets his face smushed, he crumples to the ice. I'm sure that fucking hurt. Can't even imagine. Probably yeah. the worst pain of my life. But they just they discuss it and then they call an elbow, which didn't happen. And you watch the replay. I mean, Manson's elbow is going well over his head. Like never doesn't even touch him. Never at any point does his jersey even brush his helmet, kind of thing. It's just one of the most asinine calls ever. Like it didn't happen. And of course, of course, every single time a call like this happens, they score. Yep. Every single time. And it's Obi from his spot on the power play. And now with like a little under half of the period to go, it's a one goal game. And the momentum for probably until the net was empty was all washed. Like they, they, Ovechkin hit a post right after that. That's an inch to the right. That's a tie game at that point. And we're having a much different conversation right now. Yeah. Georgiev made some big saves, but that call it, I think Jesse said it, uh, from Girl of Sports, he said, this is why NHL officials need to be made, like, to have comment in the media. Because that call, it just needs to be explained what they even thought they saw. Because what did they say on the Monumental broadcast? Did they think it was a penalty? No, they didn't. They are like, they were like, he kind of angles him into the boards. I think they were trying to, I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but it almost felt like they were trying to make more of a case for boarding. But, like, they were like, yeah, there's no elbow here. Yeah, Like, boarding, I could kind of see even elbow is just the most ludicrous call i think i I mean the the only reason there's a call in this play is because wilson crumples and because of anything manson did it's because he broke his nose a month ago right and then they stopped the play and i'm like did they call a penalty on that 
And then there was a long deliberation. They talked the replay, and then you hear while they're mid replay being like, "Well, the yeah, thing was, it's they 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 blew the play dead because Wilson was on the ice and hurt. Right? No official had their arm up. They did not call that right. live. So right. I'm confused as to what we were calling here at all because no, it wasn't like the back judge thought he saw the elbow. And it's not they didn't even go and watch the replay of it. It's like they had a vague memory of seeing an elbow in the air and assumed that must have happened which is just not how penalties work. No, it's not. And I, I bet you Tom Wilson, you asked me, he goes, I don't, that was probably a clean hit. Like Tom Wilson's probably given out a hundred worse hits than that. It's just, he, he had a confused. I mean, monumental cut to him a lot. He just looked kind of confused. Yeah. Or he, well, he also looked like he was in a lot of pain. He's got a broken nose smushed into the glass. But, <laughs> and I, I, I loved Bednar's reaction to the whole thing too. He's like, where's the elbow? Right. He, he usually doesn't get animated, but the whole bench was like, what? fuck are you talking about there's no elbow on this play thank god the abs won because if they would have lost and that call was made i don't think i would have been able to do this podcast right and like we said obi hit a post like a minute after and that would have been a 4-4 game who knows where that goes georgiev had to make a couple of saves down the stretch i mean the momentum for a solid six minutes was all in the Caps' favor. And be, and the Avs held on and didn't give up a point and won in regulation, which kind of diminishes this, but it, it shouldn't. Like, that's the kind of thing where I totally agree with Jesse. Why do we not at least have officials talk after the game? Say what you saw here and just tell everyone how you came to that conclusion. Yep. Where Like, did you see, uh, did you see in the NBA, uh, I think it was last night or maybe two nights ago, the Knicks were got called for a foul call late and the uh refs in the post game they did a post game press and they're like yeah we messed that up like, yeah i heard it, i heard about this today are they appealing to play they're that appealing game? yeah and they may win because it shouldn't have been a foul call and even the refs admitted it and i give those refs kudos because they stood in front of the media granted it's new york media which is not nothing to sneeze at and they admitted they were wrong but the nhl officials just get to hide behind this umbrella where Thank God the Avs won because they don't have to answer. This call will be forgotten. Well, the thing is, is like NHL officiating, like we're not even close to anything like this. I mean, remember, what's it? What's his name? The ref that got fired. Uh, Tim Peel. Uh, Tim Peel. Yeah, like remember he got caught on a hot mic saying that he's trying to find an even up call and they just threw him under the bus with that. Yeah. As if we all know that happens. Like we all know that's a thing that happens in this sport where they give a directive to officials to try to have the power plays be somewhat even. And then when you get to the playoffs, the rules change. I mean, it's not all on just officials being incompetent. Some of them are actually doing their job to the letter that they're given. But also at the same time, if officials are going to be such a massive part of games and decide games and make games closer like this, They've got to answer to the media the same way that everybody else does. I don't know why that's even like a controversial thing. It's a great union the NHL referees union got going on there because and even, and even then it is nothing compared to the MLB union. Yeah, it's nothing. But it was just it's so weird. And I honestly was more shocked that the Abs didn't get a makeup call for the rest of the game. I was more shocked they didn't get one of those because there were two or three plays that probably could have been penalties on the Caps in those last eight minutes of that game. And the refs just put their whistles in their pocket. And I mean, it, it was 
Thank God the F1. I mean, was that really the makeup is. call? Because the the argument from Nick Dowd earlier was that Gerard was holding his stick, and then that led to Gerard getting yanked. So, like, was this the makeup call? But like that, now we're going down this slope. Right. Every call just, should be a makeup call at that right, point. That, that now every call is a makeup call, and then you got to do a makeup call for the makeup call, and now everybody's mad. So right. why don't you just do your fucking job? Yep. Like in in football, at the very least, they get called wrong a lot. But you also just blatantly see games that are just absolutely lopsided in penalties, where it's just like 150 penalty yards, like 15 kind of yeah, thing. Are you alluding to a particular game in the NFL? What are you talking about? The overall point is, is that in football, they don't do like makeup calls or even up calls or anything like that. They just call shit. Whether it's made oh. up or not, they call it. Well, it's always made up when Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. Right. But. Well. We we can save that talk for a little bit later, but um, yeah, uh, I'm just thankful that the abs won because that that makes that call. I can just laugh at it now. I can just laugh at it because it was so hilariously bad. And thank God the abs won because I, I can laugh about it. Yeah, thank God they won this game. I mean, and now you look at the the road trip as a whole. It has been a, a abject failure. They have three of ten points so far on this road trip. The best they can do is they beat Tampa and they finish with five of 12 points, which is under 500, but you can somewhat salvage it where you get points in three of the games and you win two of like, it's not great, but you got to. It seems like a miracle that they can finish with five points on this road trip. Right. Like you got to just take what's in front of you at this point. It has not been a good road trip. They lost three straight games in regulation and should they have won the Rangers game? Yeah, they they needed to get more offense in that. The Devils game, they really just gave away. Should have gotten at least a point. And then Carolina and Florida were just bad performances. But they're in the past now. you got to win on the road trip. You've only got one more game left. And then this is your longest road trip of the year. Then you're back home for a good portion of the remainder of the year. Yep. I don't know how many games in comparison to road games, but most of your road games are in batches. Of course, you got a b- bunch of three-game road trips. But if you just take care of business against Tampa, like it's it's not a good road trip, but it's salvageable. If they lose, it'll be the worst road trip of the year. If they win, you can go, didn't play the best, found a way to be somewhat relevant in it. Because, like, look, if you're if you're gonna have a road trip like this, would you rather start the road trip winning or or end it by winning? Because if you can, oh, end, you want to end it winning. You yeah, you want to end, end it winning. You're going home on a two-game win streak, yep. and you're going up against Arizona, who's a tough matchup, but has been sliding recently. And if you win that game, all of a sudden it's a three-game win streak. Like it's just you got to take things one game at a time. Yeah, you, you lost four in a row, three of them in regulation. It's done. You won your game. Now you can salvage this, and you can go into Tampa on the road for a tough matchup and grind out another win. Yeah, you know who's super happy that they won this game tonight. Zach Parisi, <laughs> poor dude. He, he's sitting on the bench all year. He's like, wow, this abs team's really good. He joins the team. Worst stretch of the season. Four straight losses. So the monkey's off of his back, and Zach Parisi gets a win. And this Tampa game, Tampa is beat to shit. I, I don't think this is a great Tampa team. But they got Andre Vasilevsky, who was phenomenal tonight against Boston. I watched that game. He was great. I imagine he's going to get the start Thursday because at this point, Tampa's not like secure in a playoff spot. They need to keep winning. If the Vasilevsky that plays that 
that plays against the Avs that we just saw tonight, it could be a problem because he looked like old Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, Tampa has roared their way back over the last couple of games. They're seven and three in their last ten. They took a trip to New York that didn't go well for them, but they finished that with a win against Columbus and they shootout win over Boston in Boston today. And now, like again, they're not comfortably in the playoffs, but I feel pretty confident that Tampa is going to make the playoffs. Like I just don't see a way that they're gonna fall off again and fall out of the race entirely. But they've been good over the last little while. We don't need to tell you how good Nikita Kucherov's been over the last little bit. I mean, they're kind they're kind of like the Abs right now, where they're they're dealing with some stuff. They're feeling like a pretty top heavy team, except their goaltending's been a little better. With Vasilevsky. I mean, you got under Vasilevsky. Like, right. But even then, I mean, it's a 901 this year. I mean, he's, yeah, it's a bad year for him, but I'd still take Andre Vasilevsky over a lot of goalies in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Like, he hasn't been a world beater, but Victor Hedman's had himself a nice little bounce back season. He's been a point per game. They lost Sergachev for the rest of the year, which is a yeah, we real, talked about that, real shame for them. I mean, the. We talk about the Avs need to make moves down the middle. That Tampa team needs to make some moves on the back end. They yeah. need to shore up that defensive depth in a bag. I imagine that LTIR money they get for Sergachev is going to be used. I would be surprised if Noah Hannafin doesn't end up in Toronto or Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think that's a fit that just makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's $8.5 million for Sergachev that's going to be put on LTIR and... I, I still think Tampa's a very good team, and this is going to be a tough game for the Abs. And if they had lost this game against the Caps, I would say they have no chance. Yep. A win against the Caps shouldn't boost your confidence that much because the Caps aren't great. But I liked for portions of this game that the Abs asserted themselves and asserted their style of play, and it got a little close. But there was never really a point where the Caps were like the better team. I mean, the Yavs made two dumb mistakes. Again, the miscue from McKinnon and the the blown play from Manson off of the turnover and the bad penalty call led to three goals against. Again, it's the little things that are killing them right now. And just the little things over the road trip that if they were playing a better team probably would have cost them in this game, but it didn't. And you've just got to clean up a little bit more. And I think the two days off did them well. Now they've got their legs under them. They've got a win under their belt post-trade deadline. I think it's another shootout. I think they're just barely going to pull it out, but I think they're going to beat Tampa. It's tough, man. I watched this Tampa team tonight, and they they just looked that, – that game against Boston was just a gritty win by them. Vasilevsky was great. You're going to need the best from Georgiev. I do think we're going to have a Nathan McKinnon game where he's because he was flying tonight against Washington. Two points. He he didn't look like he was taking over the game, but there were points where like, oh, okay, yeah, Nathan McKinnon's still there. I think the Avs win this one like three to one. I'm gonna say Georgiev. Like he only faces like 23 shots. I think he saves 22 to 23. I think the Avs get it like three four one in regulation. I, I just I have a feeling they're gonna close this road trip out uh, well. Like you said, you shouldn't get that much confidence from beating the Caps, but this team just needed to see one go through the hoop to steal a basketball metaphor. And they saw one go through the hoop. I think they win this one pretty comfortably. I think Georgiev has a big day, and I think McKinnon gets three points. And I I agree that they're going to win. I do not think it's going to be comfortably at all. I think this is going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be a slog of a game. I think Kucherov and McKinnon both have at least two points. 
And I think it's going to be four to three in a shootout. The abs just okay. get over the finish line. Like I, I think Tampa's motivated. I mean, the, these two teams do not like each other. There's a history there now. And their their regular season games since the cup final, all three of them have been pretty nasty and they've all been pretty close too, except for one, but most <laughs> of them have been pretty close. The ones in, in Colorado were close. The one in Tampa was not, but you're hoping for a different result this time. And I think they're going to do it but it's not going to be pretty and they're going to have to clean up because if they're making mistakes like turning the puck over in their own zone, having defensive miscues, Nikita, they're going to feed off of that stuff and they're, they're going to make you look silly, but that's what good teams do in the NHL where, like you said, they saw one go through the hoop against Washington, but they've also seen that you're not getting away with that shit where against the Panthers, against the Hurricanes, teams that I would say are Tampa-esque players in that echelon, you got to clean up your game. They're going to have a day of practice probably, and they're going to put another emphasis on you got to clean up these things. If they fall through on that, and again, elephant in the room, if Georgiev has a solid night, even if he plays like he did against the Caps in this game, I think they're going to win that game. He has not played bad over the last two games. The Florida game should have been a lot worse, and the Caps game was far from bad. The Carolina game was bad, but... Since the since the fourth goal of that game, Georgiev has been good. And if he plays that way in this game, I think that'll be enough. Agreed. I, I don't know. I just have a feeling we're going to get a big Nathan McKinnon game because I just don't think uh, Tampa Bay can line match the way – like even Washington, say what you want about Like Nick Dowd is still a good defensive center. They did a good – that line tonight, I believe it was Dowd, Wilson, and who was the other guy who scored the goal? Beck Malenstein. Like they played good defensive hockey against the McKinnon line. Like they were solid. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the first period, they had the better of that matchup against McKinnon. They had the shot attempts. They had the expected goals advantage, but just, you can't keep a a player like Nathan McKinnon down for long. And I just don't know if Tampa has that where they can line match. It's like Nick Paul's good. I guess I'm forgetting about uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Sorelli. They got Sorelli. So take that back. So Sorelli's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean the the Nathan McKinnon is going to be very familiar with Brandon Hagel, Sorelli, Nick Paul. Like they're they're definitely going to get thrown out there against McKinnon a lot. Honestly, I'd say Tampa has a lot of very good defensive forwards. Yeah, I, as I was saying that, and I started thinking about, it, I was like, yeah, that's take that back. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know why I still feel like McKinnon's going to have a big game, and I do think the Abs are going to win it and close out this road trip, and then they get to come home for some home cooking. And I think they're going to rattle off some wins once they get back home. I certainly hope so. I mean, again, there hasn't been a lot of distance created from anyone right now. They have four games, or, or the Jets have four games in hand on them. The Avs are three points. Make that make sense. How are we almost How are we almost halfway through February and the Jets have four games in hand on a team? I don't know. Like, the scheduling is so weird. I mean, the thing with games in hand is you have to win them, but also – that means the Jets are going to be playing more games down the stretch, more back-to-backs kind of thing. Like, it almost feels unfair. Like, it seems like the advantage is in the Jets' corner, but it almost feels unfair because the Avs are going to have a lighter load down the stretch kind of thing. The Jets are going to be playing more down the stretch. Like, I don't get why we can't just even this out, where we have teams that have played 40 – like, Edmonton's played 48 games. The Avs have – makes sense. The Avs have six – or the Oilers have six games in hand. On the abs, that does not make sense. That should not be a thing. Granted, by the end of the day, it'll be 49 because they're in progress against the Red Wings right now. But even still, that's a 
five game advantage for Edmonton over the abs in the standings. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I don't understand that kind of thing. Yeah. And then shout out the schedulers Friday. There's one fucking game, one game on Friday. That makes sense. Is it even a good game? I think it was the Hurricanes for someone. I forgot. It's the Hurricanes and the Coyotes. Ooh, great. Must watch TV. Yeah, yeah must man. must watch TV. Yeah, like, wait, wait, wait. Is it the stadium series this Saturday and Sunday? Yes. Why the fuck would you not have that be a standalone game on Saturday and Sunday? There's 13 games on Saturday. Right. One Are there games going on at the same time during the stadium series? I sure fucking hope not, or else I'm going to go. There are two. What the fuck are we doing, dude? I guess I just never thought about that. I just kind of assumed the stadium series would be left by itself. But yeah, the Caps and the Canadians and the Ducks and the Maple Leafs start at 7, and the stadium series between the Flyers and the Devils starts at 8. What are we doing? What are we doing in and then And then you have three games still after that. What are we doing, man? That makes no sense. And then the next day... The Rangers and Islanders on Sunday stadium series is standalone, but there's still two games on at six after that. Okay. I'm, I'm just... one of, adds one of them, by the way. Yeah. But, okay. That just frustrates me. <laughs> makes, anyway. I have, don't have a degree in marketing and it's like, I feel like I could be the best marketing agent. Oh, you, for the- you think a person's putting together these schedules anymore? This is, yeah. this is all robots and AI doing this. Yeah, fucking crazy. But yeah. anything else about the apps? That you that you want to miss? No, I think we've just about covered everything I had to say about this team, both the the good and the bad from this this most recent stretch. I mean, I think this Tampa game we've said probably I think on every episode of this road trip we're going to find out a lot about what this team's made of. Now they have a win. Now there's some positivity. Now it's not all doom and gloom and players only meeting like they had after the Panthers game. You saw one go in. Now, how do you follow that up? Now we're really going to see a lot of what this team is made of because this is a tough stretch where it's the end of a six-game road trip. It's against your your biggest rival out east in Tampa, I would say. I mean, it's like like, we don't like Boston, but like it's not really really a rivalry. rivalry. Like there's there's some, some bad blood here with Tampa. Also like former players and everything like that. Like it's it's definitely going to be an interesting test, and I'm interested to see how they do. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they do. I, before we move on, I, I thought Jonathan Drouin was phenomenal in this Caps game. Uh, yes, I still want him to shoot the puck more. Oh, he did. He he shot a puck. Just he shot one. Yeah, he's not one. at the right goal. Like There were just a couple times I'm like, Drouin, just shoot the puck, bro. Like At least one time he listened to you. Yeah. And he, he made sure Georgia was getting a workout because he got some he air on sure. that puck for some reason. Yeah, like, ah, but I thought Jonathan Dram was great in this game, too. I thought he played a really good game. Yeah, I think that just to have a quick conversation on Jonathan Drouin, I've appreciated his game over the last little while, even if there hasn't been a ton of points like he had in January and late December. I've appreciated the simplicity of his game where he looks comfortable. He looks like an NHL player who knows his role, who has chemistry with the guys around him, is not catastrophic defensively, and is just making smart calls. Like the kind of guy that is for 825, fantastic. And yeah. just feel feels like for the first time, probably since he got to Montreal, stability in his career outside of his contract. Yeah, stability. And just one last thing about just these games. I know Nathan McKinnon's the best player in the world, and you want the puck on his stick. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's not give it to him in the middle of the ice on every breakout. 
because these are other NHL players. They they know that the puck's trying to go to McKinnon. You have Miko Rantanen too. Let, let's try that just a couple times because there there are sometimes where I'm like, yeah, I want Nathan McKinnon to have the puck too, but let's let, let's cool it. Like if he's not open, it's okay. Right. Just <laughs> gotta gotta mix it up a little bit every yeah. now and again. But to to move off of the Avs and get to the around the NHL stuff. Kristen, I will leave it up to your judgment as to whether or not you are sick of the Morgan Riley and was it? I don't Ridley know. Why. Greg? Is it Rid- Ridley Greg? I don't know why I, for some reason got so confused on his first name. Ridley Greg, are you sick of this conversation, or are you willing to at least talk about it for a little bit? Well, I mean, we're gonna talk about it for a little bit because that, that's our job. But I was sick of it thirty minutes after it happened. Yeah, immediately, essentially. Like, okay, this is another thing that's getting blown out of proportion. Correct. Um, Do I think Morgan Riley should have been suspended? Yes. Like, uh, there's no way fans butts about it. Like, did I think what Ridley Gregg did was just a horrific act, a crime against hockey? No. Like, it's just, it's, I get it. Emotions are high. Hockey is a very emotional sport. You're not supposed to take a one-timer on an empty net. But, like... yeah that's my question why what i don't because like i know the code and sportsmanship or anything who exactly is being disrespected here there's there's no one in the same zip code i don't care if he gets down on his belly and and pokes it in with the back of his stick like it's a pool ball kind of thing like it's nothing like i thought this was so absolutely nothing that i could not understand the discourse surrounding it where it's like, if it's a shot after the whistle, if he had done that and spit on the glass and is throwing middle fingers and losing his mind, like, okay, maybe he deserves a little cross-check to the midsection, not the head. But I just thought the whole thing surrounding it was like, oh, you got to be smarter than that. Can't do that. The the rules of the game, disrespectful. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? That I think that is just my least favorite thing about sports is like the, the book of like the unwritten rules who wrote these rules that these no one the, like, you no know, you know who wrote these rules it was written by babies who right. don't want to have their feelings hurt kind of thing whereas like it's, it's it's hidden under a guise of like being respectful disrespect into an empty net right really <laughs> kind of thing. Thing. people are like you just beat the Leafs for the Senators. That is their Stanley Cup this year. Is beating yeah, the Leafs. they win the Stanley Cup three times a year because they always seem to beat the Leafs. But also, it's not like he wound up and is like doing a massive celebration. It honestly looked to me like he didn't even think about it. It was just a slap. Right. I don't know. Like it, it's the. It just felt like such an absolutely nothing conversation for me. That doesn't bug me as much as like when a team's trying to get another player a hat trick. Like that annoys me more than that. Right. I, I just I, it was I, the Boston game where they were trying to get Pasternak the hat trick and they could have ended the game like three or four times, but they were trying to get the puck. To puck. I feel like that's more disrespectful than what Greg did. Right. And like it's another thing that bugs me is like when people talk about like running the score up, like whenever you get to the playoffs and a team wins like eight to one or something and they talk about like, oh, they're running the score up. There's going to be a response to that. Are we not adults? Here. Like, you're, you're talking about john cooper remember after game two like i was i can't believe they had the first power play unit out there when they were up six nothing right it's and the like, stanley the, cup was, final bro and like the, when the caps beat vegas in 2018 game four where they won six to two there was a conversation oh the caps were they were running the score up <laughs> like, what are we talking are professional about athletes here? not peewees out there they're professional athletes bro 
it's the, it was the kind of reaction from Morgan Riley and the reaction of people surrounding this whole thing where I'm just like, we talk so much about like the t- hockey players, just the, the toughest, you know, the, the toughest of the bunch. And physically that might be true, but like mentally, I hate to be the one to say it. These guys, they can't take a lot. Like it does not take much for it to be perceived as disrespectful. You watch yeah. the NFL and football where a defensive back breaks up a pass, like they're in their face immediately with the incompletion and talking trash as someone who's like, listened to like the, all of the mic'd ups. How cool is that? Like, is it as bad as it looks like, is there a lot of just curse words going around? I really can't say. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, I actually can't talk about it all that much other than I do it. But having done it and seeing the reaction to this, I'm just like, this is crybaby shit. <laughs> this is cr- like for such a little thing. Could it be perceived as disrespectful? I, when I just said that, I was going to say maybe, but honestly, I don't really I don't think so. So like if that happened, like let's say the, the Avner in the situation, it's the wild doing that. I really don't think I would have even thought twice about it. No, I would have said "fuck you," but I would. That, that's just a disdain. I would. Term. I would have rolled my eyes and immediately forgotten about it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like it, it just. It felt like nothing. The biggest thing we haven't mentioned in this whole thing. The only reason this is a story is because it's the fucking Leafs. Right. That's the only reason why. And Leafs fans, they are crazy. But I do appreciate the fact how much they fucking love and ride and die with that team. Like you go and read just the comments under all these tweets, and it's like, "Good for Morgan Riley standing up for the team," and it's like, "What? What?" Okay. Again, who was disrespected here? Right? Like you lost a game. Like it was just, it was just. I, I think Morgan Riley made a stupid. I don't think he was meaning to cross check him in the face. I think he was just trying to give him a cross check in the body, him in the face. But you got to be in control of your stick at all times. The whole thing is just funny to me. I find yeah. this whole situation hilarious. It was just another thing that just gets blown out of proportion, kind of thing. And I thought five games, honestly, was right. I thought you can't give him a short suspension, but also seeing that, like, I don't think he was going for the head kind of thing. I didn't see Morgan Bradley's not a dirty player. Right. I didn't see the intent to cross check him in the head. I saw his stick get ramped up. If he was going for the head, I would honestly say 30. Not I was I'm sorry, not 30. I was going to say throw the book at him. I was going to say 20, but I got throw and 20 mixed up. I would say you throw the book at him. 15 to 20 kind of games if that's intent to injure but without it five feels right kind of thing there's i don't like giving player safety credit but i think five was well because I, I forget what did perron get when he cross-checked didn't he get six i think he got six but that was also like clear that was a lot more injured. egregious than that that was intent to injure and also more justified than morgan Riley. yes like it was i mean his teammate I, is lying on the ice motionless after getting hit in the back of the head I think what hurt Perron in that situation, didn't he hit the wrong guy? Yeah, he, he got the wrong guy. The wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, he hit the wrong guy. So it's like, fuck, I got suspended and I didn't even hit the right guy. Um, but yeah, it, I'm sure we'll have probably another three, four days of discourse about this just because it's the Leafs. Uh, I imagine when we watch Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, we probably will hear about it one more time. But I'm glad it's over with. It's not over with, but it's... They finally got a resolution. And here's the thing. Like, I like the Senators. They've always just kind of been my favorite, like, team to to cheer for that's bad. They do dominate the Leafs. I don't know what it is about the 
centers facing the Leafs. They kicked the Leafs' ass. So. Until until in a regular season, I can see the Leafs consistently beat the Ottawa Senators. I am never picking them. Right. Like, same, man. like that that is my benchmark for the Leafs. If you cannot overcome the Ottawa Senators at least three times a year, I'm not picking you to win shit. You're going to lose in the playoffs again when the going gets tough. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So I'm glad that's over with for right now. And uh, we can move on from yeah, it. And just uh, unwritten rules. Like it's, it's a silly the stupidest thing. Like unwritten rules should mean common sense. Yes. Like don't drop slurs. Don't insult people's families. Don't check people in the nuts. Like, have a general sort of respect. Like, don't cross obvious lines. I think that's what unwritten rules should mean. Yeah. We're getting uh, dangerously close now to baseball's unwritten rules with hockey, and baseball's unwritten rules are the stupidest fucking things. Man. Those like the, the unwritten rules in baseball genuinely hold the sport back. Like we're talking right. about bat flips. Yeah. Where it's like you flipped a bat after you hit a 400 yard home run dinger i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a baseball at your head kind of like like, what are we doing we're getting dangerously close to that now but my final thought is if hbo ever gets the rights to uh like what they did with like the road to the winter classic and that was even kind of tempered i would pay so much money to have unfiltered hockey mic dubs and unfiltered football mic dubs just because i think that would be worth the price of admission you know, I if, I, if I can if I can drop one thing from my experiences, it's not always as great as you think it would be. Really? Okay. All right. I'm not going to pray. It. That's, all, that's, all, that's all I'm giving. But when you're in the heat of the game, a lot of it's just jargon. Yeah, but I still think it'd be funny. Yeah, like, it's fun. But it's like it's, it's not as you, what you see is the best of the best stuff. Carefully filtered through. A lot of it's just jargon. Yeah. I, I, hockey, I think, would be better because I feel like hockey players have more witty chirps than yeah. NFL. But or also like a lot NFL of it will just be, come on, boys. Hockey. Come on, yeah. boys. Come on, boys. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Let's go here. Like, the ho- like the unfiltered hockey is some of the best. Like, it, you watch those videos on Instagram. I love those videos. So, it I would pay top dollar for that. Because, like, we talked about with the Road to Winter Classic, the, when that first came out, that was must-watch TV on HBO. Yeah, I mean, th- that kind of stuff is some of the best-performing sports content. People love stuff behind the scenes, but players have to accept it. Right. I mean, the, the stuff with being mic'd up, having been in this industry, is players don't really want to do it. No, I wouldn't want to be fucked up because right. the thing, I'm a competitor. I'm going to say stupid shit when it comes to, like, I'm going to be look like a fucking idiot. Right. When I was like at the top of my game as a competitor, you know, just just mic up Arturi Lekkinen. He'd just be like a buzz on the wall and he would just hear other people. He would yeah, if, you're, if you're miking up Lekkinen, you're miking up the rest of the team because oh, there's, right. there's going to be no pollution on his side. He is just going to let everyone else talk for him yeah. kind of thing. And, and it's, like, it's it's a distraction for players, honestly, oh, especially yeah. like once you start doing like hard knocks and football and everything. There's a reason no team wants to do Correct. it. Correct. Because it's distracting to constantly have cameras everywhere and following you and you feel like you don't have any space. And when you're mic'd up on the ice or on the field, I mean, you're trying to to focus and everything, but it's in the back of your mind that everything you say is being recorded and listened to. And for some players, that's a big distraction. I mean, I get it. I totally get it. There's a market for it. Everyone wants it, but you can't make the players want to do it. 
Yeah, because then you do every once in a while get like the gold. Like, remember when Manson first came to the Avs and he was talking to Samuel Gerard about Chick Fil A? Like oh, that was gold. That was gold. Like that, that's the type of stuff you want, and the those are the clips you want. So it it would be very funny. Like even as much as I hate Ryan Reeves, him mic'd up every game, I think would be comedy. Yeah, because he is just a lunacy. But uh, like he's just loony bin. But yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. But do we have any other NHL news? Nothing super major. The only other thing I wrote down is it kind of came out today that there was a trade with New Jersey and Calgary that would have sent Jacob Markstrom to the Devils, but seems like that got halted recently. It's not really confirmed what the package would have been. But for me, like that's just a trade that makes a lot of sense. I don't know how that doesn't get to the finish line. I think it will. I think it will. It's because he signed for what, another two years after this? I believe it's a year after this. According to, so this is from from James Nichols. According to a report, Jacob Markstrom was asked to waive his no move clause by the Flames and approve a trade to the Devils before the deal died. So, I when they says the when he says the word died, it sounds like it's not happening. That sucks because that is the type of trade that I think makes the Devils a playoff fringe team. Yeah, and uh, Frank Cervalli says, I think the Devils and the Flames were pretty far down the track on a Markstrom deal. I think it did get to his level to approve it. There were no issues there. Somehow along the way, that trade was scuttled. Don't know how, don't know why, but they were pretty close to nailing it down. You you would have seen Jacob Markstrom become a Devil, I think, at some point last week. Kind of thing. Where it's just, they would have to have been asking a lot for, for Markstrom, like probably asking for a roster player or something like that. Probably Nemich, that defenseman. Probably probably more along the lines of Mercer, but Markstrom, okay, so Markstrom has two years left after this year at $6 million. I'd give and, up Mercer for Markstrom. But like, that, maybe that's, that's, maybe that was the problem, it was like they want more for that. And for the Devils, you got to save your season where you you've got probably the worst goaltending in the league it's like, not even a question it is the worst goaltending because like everyone else it feels like it's stabilized a little bit where the oilers skinner turned it around carolina like it's not great but it's good enough to win them games and the devils they've dealt with a lot of injuries and they're getting healthier but they're still struggling to win games because they can't get saves and vanacek's not getting the job done and for the flames jacob markstrom is 34 has two years left after this one. Last year was awful. And this year is giving you solid goaltending again. But as he gets older, right, like as he gets older, is he going to continue to give you that? And are you going to put a team in front of him that is worth justifying him fucking up your draft position kind of thing? Whereas I don't know what the holdup would be in a deal like this, but I don't know. It's confusing. I, I think that trade, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens because the Devils just need a fucking goalie, bro. They just need a goalie so bad. Yeah. So and I think that trade's going to happen. Seems, it seems like, according to, to Freeman, the issue was Calgary retaining on the $6 million cap hit. That makes sense. I yeah. can see the hiccup there because Calgary's not – actually, if you're Calgary – you you want to be bad? It wouldn't hurt to retain twenty five percent. More I'm reading is like the Devils were reportedly ready to to make Alexander Holtz part of the transaction. It's like how do we not get to the finish line yeah. on something like this for both sides? Where it's Calgary, Markstrom's not helping your case right now. Like there needs to be a step back here, 
and getting you like you said it, he bounced back this year. He was terrible last year. His trade right. value is at an all time high right now. Right. And like he, and he was a Vesna candidate two years ago. Like you can sell that as an anomaly. And I still think he gets traded just because it'd be smart management from the Flames, but the Devils are the destination. And like, what are they, are you going to get Merzlikens, the other guy they've been linked to? Like, Ugh, that gross. solves nothing. That solves nothing. Gross. Markstrom for the Devils should be the solution. Yep. And I don't know, like someone's got to find a way to back off on the, the retaining. Like, yeah, if it's half, I can see why Calgary balks at that. And New Jersey's got to be able to step up with an offer that makes that worth it. But also if you're Calgary, there's got to be a middle ground here. Like there's got to be more to it than just how oh, we don't want to retain. Yeah. Because they seem like the team that is prime for retaining right now, because they got a bunch of young guys they want to play. And none of those guys are going to require contracts anytime soon. So See, it's it. The more I'm reading on this report, it just seems to get more interesting. It's like Sarah Valley is saying, can this be revisited? Probably not based on the way it played out. Like, did they just curse each other out on the phone call or something? Like, what do you mean this can't be revisited for the rest of the month before the trade deadline? Sense. Makes no sense. That that team needs a goalie in the worst way. Like, right. It, 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 it doesn't solve all their problems, but they're at least a playoff team. And it solves their the biggest problem. And if they get a guy in goal, that gets them into the playoffs. And we've seen more than on one occasion, a team that just gets in, goes on a run. It can it can happen. So hopefully, hopefully the Devils can't go because I like the Devils. I think they're a fun young team. Yeah, I like Jack fun. Hughes. They're a fun young team. We only have to face them twice a year. I don't really bother me. Uh, they should be more of a rival after the Cup final, but that was twenty four years ago, so it's really not that big. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see. Did you uh, did you see the debate going on online about Marty Brodeur saying that he's an overvalued goaltender? Brodeur saying that about himself? No, no, no. It was just a discourse I saw in like the TikTok. Oh, and, well, I mean, I've, I've that's been a thing for years. Yeah. I had never really been exposed to that before I saw that. And then they brought up a lot of good points. And I was like, maybe Marty Brodeur isn't the best goaltender of all time, like many say. Well, so. he's not. I mean, it's Patrick Waugh, but. Patrick Waugh, Dominic Hasek, I, I think are a better. I mean, that that's my one too. It's Hasek and Waugh. And I think Brodeur is around that conversation, but I think there's some merit to some of the knocks against him. Yeah, there's some merits. He did play in front of just some loaded teams. Right. Loaded teams. And I, I that was the first time I'd been exposed to that discourse, and I didn't know if I was... I, I, I mean, guess I is, is Marty Brodeur just... Or is Marc-Andre Fleury the modern-day Brodeur, where we're going to look back on it and be like, hmm... A little it? bit, but I also think Brodeur at least won his cups where he was in net. Yeah. I think Brodeur is better than Flurry. I'm not making that comparison, but like just in terms of the debate. Oh, because it'll go down. Because what is Flurry now? Second all time in wins? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the number one and number two. Yeah. And they just happen to be on good teams their entire career. Yeah. I I forget. It was this girl's TikTok, and she was like, think about it. Chris Osgood was not a good goalie, but he was just in front of a stacked Red Wings team. And. He won two or three Stanley Cups because of it. Like it's, you know, they brought up a lot of good points, and I was like, okay, all right. I hadn't been exposed to this type of discourse before. Yeah, you get you're taking the red pill, Christian, on the, the yeah. Marty Brodeur saga. I, Marty Brodeur is a top five goalie of all time. That's that's not my stance on it, but I also think people that say that he's unquestionably number one, like, hmm, how much more, how much Brodeur did you really watch? Not that yeah. I can, but like, true. 
I just remember the only thing I remember about Marty Berdur is he got outplayed by Patrick Waugh, a uh, thirty mid thirties Patrick Waugh in the Stanley Cup final. Yep. In two thousand one. Womp womp. Womp womp. But yeah, it was a fun discourse. Uh, only other thing we wanted to talk about: Phil Kessel potentially very turning to the NHL. That dude just somehow finds a way onto great teams because it's rumored he could be joining the Vancouver Canucks. Phil Kessel off the couch is going to be electric. Well, he was playing in the Swiss League. But I'm I'm so looking forward to that. That's going to be so fun. Ah, Phil Kessel is – you need Phil Kessel in the league. I always liked Phil Kessel. I think he's just – he got roasted by the Canadian media, and uh, he he's a good hockey player. He's one of the best Americans of all time. Yeah, just one of the most fun people. To ever do it. And he loves hot dogs and Coca-Cola. Don't hate the guy. He's just American. Yeah. He's a USA three, boy. Three-time Stanley Cup champion. You can eat whatever you want. <laughs> three-time Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Because he he still has the Iron Man streak, right? I guess technically he does. Yeah. Because he wasn't... Well, was he scratched? No. Well, in the playoffs he was, but that doesn't count for the streak. Yeah. So yeah, if he... If, as long as he's not scratched once Vancouver brings him on, that still counts because... Yeah. Pat- I remember Patrick Marlowe that they counted it for him, even though he didn't start the season in San Jose. He signed season started. They still counted it for him. I guess Iron Man streaks gonna continue. I guess technically for Phil Kessel, his streaks gonna continue. Yeah. That's gotta just be like the worst. Like, can you imagine being a coach and being the one who fucking has to scratch a guy, (laughs) even though remember when he was remember when he was having a kid? And they didn't scratch. They put him on for a shift, and then he left. Yep, like that's hell. That, that's got to be the worst feeling. And in the playoffs, he played four games in the cup run. Because who was the? Was it Keith Yandel who got scratched by the Panthers? Yeah, and the it Flyers. Did not, it did not go well. No, didn't go well. So yeah, that's just got to be an impossible thing for a coach. But good for Phil. Remember, remember it was Cogliano a couple of years ago who got. Suspended. Yeah, he got suspended. Yeah, for not a boarding call. But, yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly what the hit was or if he deserved it or not, but that was a tough one. Yeah, it was tough because an Ironman streak is impressive in this sport, but it's yeah. it's got to be a burden when it gets like Phil Kessel should not be playing every night in the NHL. He shouldn't. And he's not in the league right now. Yeah, so. he's, got, he, he's got the Ironman streak, so it makes it difficult. But good for Phil Kessel getting back out there. Uh, and I think that's everything NHL news that's gone on yeah. these past couple days. I think we are good to wrap this one up here. I am good if you are. I am good. Uh, been a substitute teacher for about a month now. Uh, being a PE teacher, I never knew that was a fun thing to do. It's a kick-ass job if you have a chance to be a substitute PE teacher. I played so many games of kickball. Uh, Dodgeball is not allowed anymore because it hurts what people. The? Okay. Yeah, not allowed. Soft. It, it is soft. I'm with I'm with the boomers on this one. That's yeah. Soft. But I forgot how much fun PE class was. And that kicked ass these past couple of days being a PE teacher. So if you have a chance to do it, do it. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, I have no comment. I have no. Yeah. I haven't. I've been out of school forever. Yeah, PE kicks ass. Everyone loves PE. Like PE yeah. was the best class. Bring back, bring back more PE, especially yep. for young kids. Correct. So leave it with that. But let's send these people on their merry way. We'll leave it with that. We're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. 
But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.